This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. presence in the house and even those online as was mentioned is proof positive that our God is faithful the last time we saw each other God has kept us we left home and returned these past few days navigating crazy drivers on the road God kept us the last time we were together we had mass shootings folks lost their lives senselessly but God kept us happy sabbath everybody welcome to church those who are in house and those who are online those who are our usual suspects and those who are first time offenders we we thank god that you could be sojourning with us in worship the day that god has set aside for worship we welcome you and it is our desire that those of you who are guests will become members here at our church as was mentioned uh, every first sabbath for this year we'll be having connection sabbath and it's a time uh they they told me claude no jacket required it's uh it's it's come as you are uh, some of you get a chance to see pastor rose in jeans and t-shirt for the first time uh, it's dressed down so that uh, right after church we can we can get into our various groups and connect so those who will be facilitating remember we want to meet right after just to go over a few things we want folks not just to attend church but be connected amen amen but be connected and uh, and so every first Sabbath we will be doing that uh, please uh, be a part of that also as mentioned that this this coming Tuesday we make it we'll be meeting with our state attorney Harold Pryor as we continue to push the issue of seeking to reduce unnecessary arrests in Broward County uh, he campaigned on the issue and will be holding him accountable if you can be part of that uh, please reach out to, to us and let us know uh, so that we can be standing in the gap for those who are unfairly arrested in our county the meeting with him will be at 12 we'll have a prep at 11 and right after the meeting depending on how the meeting goes we may have a joint press conference with him or we will have a press conference all by ourselves but we want to be pressing the issue here 
in Broward County. Also on February 18th, we'll be having our ministry fair. I want to I highlight that. We, we believe that, that, that God has called us not just to attend church, but to get involved. Amen. And listen, neighbor, you don't have to be a member of the Plantation Church to be involved in ministry. Amen. You just, you just need to avail yourself, make yourself available. Uh, we'll hook you up. And so the ministries will be having their, the fear uh, sharing with you uh, what they do and how you can get involved. During this first quarter, at the desk as pastors, we'll be examining and re-examining some of the teachings, some of the doctrines of the church. We'll be rehearsing some of the cardinal tenets of our faith with the theme, Back to Basics, Connecting to Our Biblical Roots. And as we do so, neighbor, as we look at the teachings and the doctrines of the church, we'll be guided by two principles. How many? How many? How many? Two principles. The first one is, or will be, is the teaching biblical? Is the teaching based on scripture? Amen. Because no teaching of the church, even this church, is of any salvific value unless it is based on Scripture. And let me say a word to our Seventh-day Adventist friends, of which I'm one, that it's, it's not based on the writings of Ellen White. Hello? But, and it's not it's not the Bible plus Ellen White. It is the Bible and the Bible alone. It is the Latin expression. It is sola scriptura. It is the Bible as the sole infallible source and authority of Christian faith. And so as we go through this neighbor, I will not bother you with, with what Ellen White says, but I will tell you what the Bible says. That's the first principle. The second principle is this, that Jesus must be at the center of every teaching of the church. Amen? That the doctrine must point or it must center around Jesus because neighbor if Jesus is not at the center it is of no salvific value and it's not worth all the cheese in Wisconsin Jesus must be at the center because it is not the teaching that saves it is Jesus who saves because there's some folks who believe that, that having the correct information is the way to salvation. No, it is Jesus who is the way to salvation. How many of you know that, that there are still folks who struggle with smoking even though they know that, that smoking is bad for their health? That is not a matter of them not knowing the information. It's a matter of them, them not experiencing transformation. And so neighbor, it's not how much you know, it is who you know. 
And so when we talk about back to basics and connecting to our biblical roots, we're talking about connecting to Jesus and connecting to his, to his word. But I want to make it clear, I want to make it clear, neighbor, that if all the belief that we have in Jesus and his word is not helping us as we sojourn on this earthly sod, then we are just wasting our time. You see, there's some of us who like to uh, spiritualize things away. But listen, neighbor, when, 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 when the landlord knocks, you can't spiritualize that rent away. Hello? Because when the rent is due and when there seem to be more bills than income, then you must know, you must believe that you serve a God who will show up right on time. Your faith has to inform your situation. Your faith has to tell your situation that you have a God who said in Psalm 84 verse 11 that no good thing would he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Your faith has got to tell your situation as David says, I've been young and now I'm old yet have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Your belief must have a direct impact on your life here and now. Our belief in Jesus and his word will transform our lives and give us the tools and hope as we navigate the vicissitudes and vagaries of living down here. As we begin this series, we begin with the topic, the promise. The promise. Promises. 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 There is a tremendous amount of skepticism and cynicism in some quarters of our society when it comes to promises made by leaders, especially political leaders. Promises. 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 Some echo the old adage that a promise is a comfort to a fool. Or promises are meant to be broken. Still, some say, I'll believe it when I see it. Today, neighbor, I want to assure you that our God is a promise keeper. That our God never ever reneges on his word. His promises are true and faithful, Elder Alex, because he is true and faithful. We turn our attention now to our focus scripture for today. It's 2 Peter chapter 3, reading from 1 verse 1 through to verse 13. 2 Peter chapter 3, 1 to 13, the New King James Version's rendition of scripture says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful, that you may be what? That you may be what? That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers, whom? Whom? Scoffers will come in the last days. When? 
when in the last days walking according to their own lust and saying where is the promise of his coming for since the fathers fell asleep all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation for this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water verse 7 but the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men but beloved verse 8 do not forget this one thing that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day verse 9 the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any, how many? Any should perish, but that all, how many? All should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in will be burned up. Verse 11, therefore... Since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hasting the coming of the day of the Lord because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Verse 13 and less. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This is the word of God and I believe it let's pray together father we thank you for the obvious moving of your spirit in the service thus far and as we continue now with the study of your word I pray that you will arrest every attention remove every distraction uh, speak to our hearts and our heads speak to me and through me in spite of me I ask in Jesus name amen now, neighbor, I want us to observe some key elements in this passage that we just read. Elements that I believe are important, yea, pertinent to our faith as believers. Here in this second chapter of his, here in the last chapter, rather, of his second epistle, the apostle Peter seeks to conclude with the theme of the second coming of Jesus. I want you to note that in verse 4, he refers to it as the coming, uh, the promise of his coming. And in verses 9 and 13, he calls it his promise, that is, the promise of Jesus. The promise that Jesus gave to the believers. Hashtag promise given. Why Peter was there when Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, you believe in me, believe also in God, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and if I go and prepare a place, I will come again. Peter was there on the Mount of Olivet as Jesus defied the laws of gravity and ascended up into heaven when the angel said, ye men of Galilee, why stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who has gone up, will come in like manner as you have seen him go. Peter was well aware that the promise of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus, was made to the disciples by Jesus himself. And so, and so three times 
in these 13 verses, he uses the word promise. Promise. Now, it is important that we note that he uses the word promise in, in, in the verses I just cited. However, in verse 10, he uses an Old Testament terminology. He uses the terminology, the day of the Lord, to describe the second coming of Jesus. And so, while in the verses that I mentioned earlier, he calls it the promise in verse 10, he calls the second coming of Jesus the day of the Lord. Verse 10, he says, but the day of the Lord will come as a what? A thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Listen carefully. For the believer, the second coming is both a promise of Jesus and the day of the Lord. While for the unbelievers, yea, the scoffers, for them it is the day of the Lord. You see, this Old Testament terminology, the day of the Lord, refers to a time when God would seek to both vanquish his, his enemies and the enemies of his people and vindicate his name and his people on the earth. The day of the Lord. Peter begins this last chapter of his second epistle by saying in verse 1, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of a what? Of reminder. It is quite obvious from these verses or these lines that, that, that he's alluding to a first epistle. And he said that he wrote this second epistle to what? Stir up their pure minds by way of reminder. Neighbor, Peter wrote this second epistle to awaken and arouse his readers. He penned this second letter to refresh their memories and stimulate them to wholesome thinking as it relates to the word of God and particularly the second coming of Jesus, the promise. And I believe based on the context in this chapter that Peter was seeking to help the believers avoid stinking thinking or a warped understanding regarding the promise of Jesus and the day of the Lord. And so he continues in verse 2 and, and says that you may be mindful. What's that word? What's that word? Mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. And neighbor, I want you to hold on to this, this operative word, mindful. Hashtag mindfulness. If ever a time when you and I must be mindful or aware and have a certain degree of consciousness about not only where we are and who we are, but where we are in relationship to the second coming of Jesus, it is now. This is no time for the, the child of God to just go float through life and, and get up every morning and, and let's just see what happens. The child of God has got to be aware of his surroundings. Got to be aware of the life he has chosen to live. 
The child of God can't be blown with every wind of doctrine, be carried away by every fashion and every fad. The child of God has got to be grounded in the fact that Jesus is coming a second time. There must be mindfulness. You can't just choose things. You, you've got to be, you got to be, you got to be peculiar now. It's got to the point now, 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 Hugh, that uh, a few years ago, I, I got in the habit, I, I started reading labels. I can't just pick up any old thing at Walmart now. You don't know what they got in that stuff. You got to be careful, even what you put in your body. Come on, say amen. You got to be mindful. You got to be conscious. And by the way, don't get it twisted. I'm not talking about some uh, hypervigilance. You know, you got some Christians, they're too vigilant. Always looking around, you know, paranoid. Always trying to find out what the Pope is doing in the Vatican. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is living life intentionally. Come on, say amen. Understanding that with every decision that you make, there are consequences to your eternal destiny. Mindfulness. Not only do I have to be reading labels, I got to be careful what I put on. Come on, say amen. I don't want people to mis misread cues. I got to be mindful. When I'm interacting with that, that lady, the checkout lady at Walmart, I've got to be mindful of my speech. As I interact with her, something about that interaction must say to her that I am a child of God. I've got to be mindful of my, my verbs, my vocabulary, and my adjectives. Come on, say amen. Even when I'm working in my workshop and, 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 I, and, I, and I try to hammer a nail and it misses and hit my finger, I, I got to say, oh, Jesus. Can't use no other four-letter word. Mindfulness. He said, be mindful. But in this verse, Elder Dion, He's reminding them to remember. He's reminding them to remember. Here, Peter is seeking rather, also rather, to emphasize past instruction rather than to impart new teaching. He's saying, I'm not telling you anything that's new. I'm just seeking to remind you of that which has already been established. I'm simply reminding you of that which you already know. What the Bible teaches about the day of the Lord, listen neighbor, and about the promise, Peter is saying, was not invented by the apostles, hello, is not some hurry come up teaching that they arrived at after a late night pizza party, no, this was taught by the prophets and so also by Jesus. Peter emphasized in this verse the unity of the word of God. And then in verse 3, as a preface to what he was about to share, he says, he begins verse 3 by saying, Know this first. What I'm about to say, he's saying, must be considered against the backdrop, the, the background of the combined teachings of the prophets and the apostles. Know this first. Know this first. That scoffers will come in the last days. When? When? 
that is important. Scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lust. The last days is a reference to the period between the ascension of Jesus and his second return. Scoffers, he says, will come. Literally those who will mock and deride the idea that Jesus is coming again. Scoffers, not just neighbor individuals who disagree with you, not just folks who are indifferent to the truth, but those, watch this, who purposefully and intentionally deride, yea, whole in derision, the belief in the second coming of Jesus. Those who, who mock and say, well, all your offering is pie in the sky by and by. Those scoffers who have erected a platform from which they spew words of scorn and contempt for the very idea of the second coming of Jesus. Now, don't miss this. He says that they'll be walking after their own lust. After their own what? After their own what? Lust. Lust. That is, it is their passions and their carnality that inform and decide their theology. Their own lust. Let me say it again. It's their passions and their carnality that inform and decide their theology. And it's one of the reasons, neighbor, you and I better be careful with this talk about, ah, I don't feel it in my spirit or I feel it in my spirit. Because if what you feel in the spirit, in your spirit, is not in alignment with the word of God, then you better discard that feeling. Hello? The argument of the scoffers is this, Peter says in verse 4, this is their argument. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning. You've been preaching this thing 30 plus years now. The Adventist church has been preaching about the second coming of Jesus, Elder Nick, over a hundred plus years. And nothing has happened. Everything has continued as from the beginning. They were arguing that from the beginning of time, history has continued without any cosmic intervention from God. And so why would we expect any cosmic intervention from him? And Peter retorts, he responds, notice, by noting what the scoffers are willfully forgetting. And he employs a three-pronged argument in verse 5 to 7. The first argument he makes, he says, the very creation of the world represents God's intervention in the world. Notice that the opponents said that since the creation, nothing has changed. In other words, in their arguments, they have acknowledged or accepted that God created. But they're saying, since God has created, he's kind of, you know, just wind up the, the earth and, and let it just uh, go by itself. And so he says, now, 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 the creation in of itself represents an intervention from God. The scoffers had failed to see the implications of their own view. By appealing to creation, they concur that there was a beginning, a time when God brought this world into being. God it was who brought this world into being. And let me here say, neighbor, that no country, no nu nuclear weapon is going to destroy this earth. 
It is God who created this world and it's God who will re recreate this world. Now the second argument Peter makes in the text, the opponents might object that God set the world in motion but did not inter intervene uh, in any cosmological intervention. They're saying this God just set in motion. No intervention. But Peter says such a view does not account for the flood. A cataclysmic uh, event. Because we see in the Genesis story of chapter 6, God intervening with a flood. And so he points to the reality of the flood. And third, he says, this earth is reserved. It will end with a conflagration. It will end by being burnt up. The present heavens and the earth will be burnt up. And the ungodly will be judged. And in verse 8, he says to the believers, do not do, not do this like the scoffers. Don't deliberately shut your eyes to the facts regarding the second coming of Jesus. He says in verse 8, For with the Lord, one day is as a what? A thousand years and a thousand years as one day. In this verse, Peter alludes to the man of Moses' psalm, Psalm 90 verse 4, by reminding them and us, that God is eternal and God is not bounded by the bands of time. With God, there is no past, no future. All things are eternally present. With God, he has no need for our limited concept of time. With God, we cannot confine him or, or his ideas, Peter says, to our scale of days and years. In stressing this truth, Peter is rebuking the skeptical impatience of the scoffers who, who are judging God by their own puny standards, doubting whether he will fulfill his promises connected with the end of the world. And, and Peter responds to the claim of the lay by saying in verse 9, he says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. God is not some Washington D.C. politician spewing promises he has no intention to keep. God is not slack concerning his promises. Some count slackness. But why the delay, the seemingly delay? Peter says, but is what? Long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He also makes it abundantly clear in verse 10. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in them be burned up. Let me close with this. In light of these prophetical biblical facts. Hashtag biblical facts. Peter says in verses 11 and 12, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat?
You see, the purpose of this prophetic truth for Peter is not speculation, but motivation. Peter gives us some practical admonitions to heed as we look forward to this biblical reality. He says, because we realize that the world and its works will be dissolved and that every element will be disintegrated, Peter says, we must fix our hope, not anything on this world, but our hope must be built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness because everything in this world is going to burn one of these days. He says, due to the fact that we know not the hour of the master's appearing, we must be in constant state of readiness. The child of God who begins to neglect this promise will, according to, to Jesus in Luke 12, uh, 35 to 48, will gradually develop a cold heart, a worldly attitude, and become unfaithful. And if he or she is not careful, he or she may become like the scoffers mentioned in verse 3 and laugh at the promise of Jesus coming. Peter says, seeing that we know this, how should we conduct ourselves? Neighbor, we have to live up before we go up. Hashtag live up to go up. ends in verse 13 nevertheless we according to his promise look for heavens a new heaven new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells righteousness dwells one preacher says at this point in earth's history when it comes to the second coming of Jesus I don't want to be part of the planning committee. I want to be part of the welcoming committee. Amen. Because God is not slack concerning His promises. In 1976, when I was eight years old, my dad went to a conference in Barbados, Festival of the Lady, and before he left, he asked me, what is it that you'd like for me to bring back for you? I told him I want an airplane. I want an airplane. Because where we lived at the time in Kingston, Jamaica, Allman Town, as boys, we used to play across Heroes Park. We called it race course. We'd go there on Sundays. And there were some men there with with these airplanes where they would gas it up and, and start it off and it would go, go around and I was fascinated by it. It's fascinating. And so I said, Dad, I, I want an airplane. I want an airplane. So we went to the, uh, the airport. Back in the day, Claude, going to the airport was an occasion. You got dressed. You got dressed. Dressed up. And get in the car. And then, and then, and then we had, you, you know nothing about this man. We had something called a waving gallery. Waving gallery. You know, they, they never had the thing hooked up to the, no, no. They went downstairs and, 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 they, and they walk up the, on the tarmac and then up the stairs. And, and then some of them like, they, they, they pretend as if they were diplomats. They stood at the end and they're in the waving gallery. 
the day he was to return I remember my mom and I went to the airport and I went up on the, the waving gallery and I'm looking as the plane landed and I'm looking for him disembarking coming down those stairs and but really I'm looking to see if he has the package with the plane looking for that package and I saw him with it in his hand I said yes the plane is here and, he's, and I was happy for him to return but I was, I was happy for that package I was, couldn't wait to get home couldn't wait to get home Eric we got home and as soon as I got that package I ripped it open ripped it open looking for the plane and I was disappointed now now it was an airplane but it was the one propelled by a rubber band now now you know my, my, my adult brain now understands you know poor man he was doing the best he could. he did promise me a plane it was not quite the one I expected the promise of the second coming of Jesus neighbor is going to be more glorious than you can ever imagine it will not disappoint you and I will realize that every challenge and every heartache and every difficulty that we went through for the cause of Christ was worth it. It was worth it. Yes. I want to be part of the welcoming committee. How about you? Stand to your feet. 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 To your feet. And those watching online. of life the way it is I know that there has to be a divine intervention and interruption of the systems of this world you've got to appreciate as a child of God that the systems of this world they are in alignment against you You've got to realize that every principle and every value that you try to inculcate and teach to your child, the minute they step out through your door, the system is seeking to reverse that. But praise God, one of these days, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ. I'm looking for that day. I want to pray with and for somebody here who have not yet made that decision for Jesus. Lord, I want to live up to go up. I want to live up to go up. Is that you? Just raise your hand, Lord. Pray for me, preacher. Pray for me, preacher. Pray for me, preacher. Won't you just come and shake the preacher's hand and give God your heart? Come and shake the preacher's hand. Raise your hand. Come right ahead. Come right ahead come right ahead if you raise your hand saying Lord I want to live up to go up I want to surrender my life to you today God bless you God bless you come shake the preacher's hand and give God your heart today God bless you we wait for you a few seconds more I want to pray with you and for you you came to this church here not coincidentally you came here today providentially 
it was the whether you knew it or not it was the providence of God that brought you to this place today to hear this word today to make a decision for him Father God, in prayer, we thank you for the reality of your promise. We thank you, Lord, that you're not careless, you're not slack, you're, not un you're trustworthy when it comes to your promise. And Jesus, if you came the first time, just as the prophecies predicted, then we believe that you will come the second time, just as the prophecies predict. Affirm this word not only to our heads and our hearts but to our lives today may we leave this setting today go through these doors as kingdom people may we navigate life as kingdom people remind us that we are sojourners and pilgrims down here that this world is not our home just passing Treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the Lord, I pray for that man, that woman, that boy, that girl, not yet known the joy of full surrender. For those who have made the journey, the trip, the walk to the altar today, we affirm their decision. To pray for those who are still in the pew, halting, limping between opinions, through the, the agency of your Holy Spirit, you speak to that heart, that mind, right now. Give them no rest till they say, I yield, I yield, I cannot hold back. We praise you, we lift you up in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people say amen. And all the blood-washed people say amen. amen. And all those looking for the second coming of Jesus say amen. amen. Hallelujah. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.